Amen. Our sermon scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you will please join me in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. May all that's done in this service today do nothing other than help us to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Amen. I think this scripture from Matthew has one of the unintentionally funniest lines in the Bible. And I'm not sure if I think it's funny because it's like a quirk of translation or my modern sensibilities, but I kind of laugh when Jesus just shows up out of nowhere and says, greetings. And now this is, my, this, this is definitely my millennial humor, but I think one of the reasons I find it so funny is because in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan Kenobi jumps in front of General Grievous, and out of nowhere, he says, hello there. <laughs> and that's what I imagine Jesus doing when I read this text. That's the sermon. Happy Easter. He is risen. <laughs> imagine for a second, though, that you are the Marys. You've come to ritually prepare your beloved's body, your Messiah's body, to be buried you saw him die violently, and you go to the tomb, and the body isn't there. You cannot perform this last loving act of preparing his body for burial, and an angel comes before you, an angel. Now, angels, as described biblically, um, as would have been imagined in the popular consciousness of the Israelites, the people first hearing this story, they were terrified. They were not beautiful men and women with soft dove-like wings. It depends on the kind of angel, but they were often amalgamations of wings and eyes and flaming wheels. Sometimes they had human torsos, and other times they had no recognizably human features. They were terrifying and otherworldly, semi-human, semi-bizarre creatures. There's a reason why the angels always say, do not be afraid, because just seeing them is terrifying. 
Now this terrifying being tells you that actually the one you came to prepare for burial, the person you saw die, is alive. He was raised from the dead, and you need to go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee. Then, as you are confused and probably still terrified, Christ himself comes before you and says, Hey, <laughs> that's some whiplash. The woman came to the tomb expecting and preparing for a burial in grief, and then they meet this terrifying thing and see their Savior, but they were preparing for the end. Preparing to bury the body of Jesus Christ, preparing for the reality to sink in that he is actually gone, preparing for this whole movement, all the teachings of the rabbi, all his acts to kind of just be lost forever, for all the things he said and done to fade away, and then it's all flipped on its head. Every year of my life, I'm awed by nature's renewal and rebirth in the spring. Trees that were dead and barren soon burst with color. When I first learned that there were plants and even animals that hide and look dead for an entire season, only to come back to life and to wake from their slumbers and to come back into the world, I was shocked. And also because I was a kid, I thought, well, why would anybody buy plants that they have to replant every year if there are these plants that just come back every year? <laughs> why waste the money? But these marvels of creation are kissed by the warmth of the sun, and their nature tells them that it's time to live again, to bring their beauty and vibrancy into the world. It tells them, now you will not only survive, but you will thrive. And so by the summer, when the bushes have grown so much they need to be trimmed back, and when the trees have been wearing their crowns of leaves for months, when the flowers have bloomed, and the Colorado sun has started to sap all the moisture from the air, we see the culmination of all that regrowth and rebirth, and I think it's easy to take it for granted, to think, oh, it's kind of always been this way. That the trees were always this thick and full, and the bushes always needed trimming back. It's like watching a child you see frequently grow up. You see them every day, but it seems like all of a sudden they're walking and talking, and maybe you remember the crawling and the babbling, but it's hard not to think, how did we get here? How did they get so big? When you see that walking and talking toddler, it's hard to think about all the incremental growth that happened along the way. Every new word they learned and every inch they grew and every time they walked and stumbled and got back up. And if you've grown something from seed, you've had the exciting pleasure of seeing the seed germinate and sprout and this little spindly thing, a tiny stem and leaf, slowly grow taller and stronger eventually bloom or produce fruit. And if you observe carefully the plants and the shrubs and the trees, especially now, you'll notice the little bulbs and the little buds. You'll see the little leaves unfurl themselves and grow bigger. You'll see the first shoots of grass come out of the ground. You'll see life forming from the dried and barren fields. 
but the life that springs forth in these places, it's not a given. Frost can come and claim it. Excessive heat with no water can wither it. Or in the case of many of my succulents, too much water bloats it and drowns it. And the earth naturally cares for its young creation, but it's a process. A baby just doesn't talk and walk in a day. It's a lot of care and a lot of growth that happens. And I think it could be easy to take the resurrection for granted as well. The ubiquity of Easter makes it easy to forget how fraught all of this once was. Palm Sunday was in many ways a protest, an open declaration that Jesus is the Messiah, an open declaration by the people that they will not follow Rome, but they will follow this Jesus. It was a bold statement for an occupied people. While I'm sure some of the Palm Sunday marchers were swayed by the religious authorities and the threat of Rome to march against Jesus to his death on Good Friday, but I'm willing to bet that the crowds were rather different from one another. This movement that was so strong and so fierce in welcoming Jesus fizzled out. And I bet many of the people were afraid because the mood had shifted. They were terrified because Jesus was killed in a show of violence and the movement presumably died with him. And we only know of the resurrection today because of the women who were brave while they were terrified. The movement had all but died out. There was nobody to carry the message and the teachings but Mary, who so tenderly went to care for his body, recognized the voice of Jesus in the garden. And the Marys overcame their fear. The fear of this terrifying angel, the fear of the violence they had seen just days earlier, fear from seeing a dead man come back to life, fear of being a woman telling a group of men what to go and do in an extremely patriarchal society. They overcame their fear and became the first preachers of the good news of the resurrection. But it was a fraught and a vulnerable thing. The news of the resurrection depended on the Marys being bold in spite of their fear. It depended on the disciples being faithful and going to Galilee and trusting that they would meet Jesus there and then going out to preach and to teach and to baptize in a very hostile environment. For years, the church was underground. For years, Christians were persecuted and threatened with death. And many people had to be bold. Many people lived in fraught and vulnerable times. And many people had to believe in and care for the resurrection to get us here. A time and a place where Easter is celebrated by Christians around the world. And it's become such a part of our culture. Resurrection, new life, often starts small and fragile like that. It starts as buds, and it grows from small seeds. And when we are in the midst of the thriving, it can be easy to forget all the tender care it required to get us there. 
the glory and triumph of this day was made possible by vulnerability, by tender care. And it wasn't such a for-granted thing. And do not be disheartened when the places of growth and new life seem tender, when they seem fraught, and they do not bloom fully enough or quick enough to produce enough fruit, think that you may be so blessed to find it hard to remember those times. You may be so blessed to find it hard to remember when resurrection was not so full in your life. Now some things die because it's their time. Others still we do away with because... They are no longer giving us life. Some things we cut off because they're sapping our energy, and some things end without rhyme or reason. Sometimes tragedy just happens. And if we are attentive, if we are tender and caring and careful, we may see that there is life and beauty and resurrection making its precious first forays into the world if we nurture it and care for it and love it, then it can thrive even in the shadow of the cross and even in the shadows of death. New life doesn't necessarily come from death, but it is a possibility even though death exists. That is the hope and the promise of resurrection in our lives that if we tend to it, even in heartbreak and anguish and in terror, if we tend to it like the Marys tended to the news of the resurrection, we become co-creators with God to something glorious and new. Christ has risen. And may there be resurrection in your lives as well. Amen.